RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thursday morning here at RCR, and that's the morning for our Money Talk slot. It's a regular, and usually Farzan Arani is here uh, in that slot. We have a guest, though, this morning, because Farzan can't make it this week, and that's David James, the Australian financial and business journalist, who we talked to, if you remember, at the end of September. He was reassuring us that the global censorship regime was doomed to fail, and that was nice to hear. David, nice to have you back on RCR. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Okay, this morning we are talking about financial deplatforming, another form of deplatforming. Now, this came on probably most people's radar, certainly mine, when um, in Canada the Canadian truckers' funds were frozen. People who were donating to that had their bank accounts frozen, I think, under emergency powers by the Trudeau government. That didn't seem like a very nice thing to do. But I suspect um, financial deplatforming goes back further than that. Um, when did it really come on the radar, so to speak? Well, um, I'd probably, in, in terms of my sort of noticing of Assange when they deplatformed WikiLeaks and um, attacked Assange, uh, <coughs> um, I attacked his funding source because he was telling the truth. And it, I, just as a footnote, um, Assange has never published anything that was false. Right. So they couldn't use that against it. Um, every newspaper in the world will publish something false on the front page every day. Assange in the entire history of WikiLeaks, never, they never attacked him for doing anything false. What they did instead was attack his funding source. And that was had a quite amusing outcome because, um, I mean, things they had to go after him in a more aggressive way later, but um, obviously, but uh, he they switched to being paid in Bitcoin, and fairly early on in the Bitcoin era, actually, so Bitcoin was valued fairly low, and so the uh, the funding, such as it was, turned out to be extremely valuable because yeah. Bitcoin went up. A lot. Okay. (laughs) So that backfired. Um, Of course, they've silenced him, you know, using the false accusations about sexual impropriety and sticking him in jail and then false accusations about treason, um, despite the fact that he's an Australian citizen, so he can't commit treason in the United States. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, it's, so, it's, was it's that blatant. a setup? It, it, it's blatant. Yeah. The whole thing's blatant. Yeah, that was a setup. Uh, who was it that de um, deplatformed him? What uh, what operations took him out? Um, I don't recall. I think it might have been um, one of the funding regimes. It was a long time ago. Was PayPal back in the day? It might have been, uh, yeah. or one of the go for, the equivalent of GoFundMe. Right. Um, so, so they must have been lent on by what? Who? Oh, the swamp, the, the American swamp. Right. You know, the the uh, um, Department of Defense, the CIA, you know, the whole lot, the, that whole, what they call the swamp, you know, the the, poli- the politicians, the, you know, particularly, I imagine, the military, because um, Assange ex- exposed what the military was doing, and they couldn't have that. They had to uh, had to silence him, and did. They, they didn't use financial methods; it failed. They used, um, yeah, yeah, stuck him in jail, you know, and kept him there on false charges. I mean, those charges have been dropped, but he's still in jail. You know, 
Yeah, boy, do they want him. They they, they want him to pay, right? Um, it's sending a signal. Yeah. You know, if you have the temerity to tell the truth that we don't like, um, this is what we'll do to you. Was there any objection at the time? I, I don't know if there has been. There's been sort of like uh, the odd statement from Australian political leaders, but, um, you know, pushing back against, well, that, uh, first of all, that deplatforming, that financial deplatform, and also the treatment of this man. He's an Australian citizen. He's a journalist, as you say, never published anything that's wrong. Um, there was one Queensland senator, I think, a National Party senator who kicked up a fuss. And other than that, it's been a disgraceful, disgusting silence from our leaders about an Australian citizen. And they haven't even bothered to point out that he can't be committed, can't commit treason in the United States, which is what they're accusing him of, because he's not an American citizen. <clears throat> yeah, really, so how can it <laughs> how can it be treason? And, and, and Don't I, you have to be at war as well to to be committing treason in a state of war? Uh, that's another. Well, I don't, I'm not sure what the definition. I mean, think, I think it's a pretty good case that the current U.S. president has committed treason with China, and you know, and he's obviously been bought off, and the evidence is just overwhelming. But uh, so he hasn't using... been deplatformed financially. Deplatformed. <laughs> he's still putting no, he bank created, accounts to put he, his money into. He got, he's got 20 shell companies, which have been something like 50 million dollars. <laughs> gone through it yeah. Yeah. Um, in basically in gut foreign bribes. But yeah, I mean, that was the first one. Um, I was I was looking at the list, you know, because Russell Brand is the, the one that's getting a lot of attention now. Yeah. And it it seems to me that there's sort of a, a few parallel issues running, running there. I mean, the common theme is censorship. Um, and that's just off the charts. I mean, in so many directions. But that's going to fail, according to you, David, in our last chat. So that's a um, temporary thing. <laughs> well, I think it is. Yeah, actually, I'm not. I'm not taking the the purse. I, I, no, 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 no. I no, think I, your reasoning I, is correct. But in the meantime, we're in this sort of weird, weird uh, time, right? Well, I, it, it, as I say, it's not about information; it's about meaning. And you only have to read one thing or watch one thing that's really well done. And if you find it meaningful, that is, if it, if it persuades you, then it doesn't matter how much information they throw at you. It, the information just becomes noise. And, and and what we're getting is a sort of a whack-a-ball exercise where they, they deplatform someone and then something else pops up over there and, 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 pe and people are forming um, what they always do, which is to, forming a picture of the world that they find meaningful. That's what we are, right? And yeah, yeah. and um, it's the meaningful things that are said that have the most impact, not the not the signals and the information that has the most impact. I mean, I'll give you an example. There's been enormous attempts to suppress the stealing of the election in 2020 with Trump, right? Um, and demonization. I mean, they're trying to put Trump in jail for even criticizing him. You know, in incredible efforts at suppression. But two thirds of the American population, including a lot of Democrats, now think the election was stolen. Yeah, right. They, 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 you form a meaning. You, you 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 try to work out the meaning of what's going on, and it doesn't require, um, you know, 
massive amounts of, prop, of, of uh, information. It just requires something meaningful. I mean, I, I, another example I can think of is that uh, in Australia, the Bureau of Statistics says that in 2020 and 2021 were the lowest level of deaths from respiratory diseases on record. Pause for pause for a yeah, big pause. Uh, big pause. At the time, we were to being told um, it was the equivalent of the Spanish flu, and we're, in Victoria, we were locked in our in home detention for 262 days, the longest in the world. So you only have to see that to realise the whole thing was wrong. You know, you can speculate about whether it was just a an unfortunate error or something delivered, but you don't know that. But what you do know is that it never happened. And so that's 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 the argument about meaning. Meaning, meaning yeah. is how we work, you know. Does it have to be truthful to carry the meaning using that um no that example? No? No, no. Okay. Um, no, it doesn't. It's because you can get the wrong meaning. Um but the point is that if you make the shift from information, which is passive, and as you nicely put it, can no more commit a crime than a rock, you know, last chat, I like that, um, right, yeah. um, to meaning, then you can at least look at what's going on, So, which is, which is how we work. That's what we do. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm stating the obvious all the time, but, you know, it is obvious. Yeah. Though that when the um, the that those events happened in 2020, I noticed the um, a lot of people were repeating the initial narrative of um, the courts have looked at it and there's nothing to see. Yes, of course, yes. the detail was that there was no standing and they didn't even get to yeah, any arguments right. in, in court. But that obviously, that wasn't enduring. No, it didn't work. It's not no. work. I mean, because we are meeting, we are meeting machines, right? And, um, well, not machines, but meeting organisms. Um, yeah. The... The question of deplatforming is like the list that I was looking at was is quite different. Like with Assange, it was about suppressing the truth outright, um, and the same with the truckers, the Canadian truckers. Uh, that was suppressing free speech, which is a different thing, um, which was just unbelievably atrocious. Yeah, that but, was but, incredibly bold to go. I know that you're on a you know, trajectory here of, of making a point, but that was an incredibly bold thing you'd think for Trudeau to do because, I mean, because everybody can relate to not having access to funds. It it, it kind of knocks on the on the door in your face, yet he still did it. Well, this is the, the biggest shock for me. It's a shock in Australia as well, and Canada is similar to Australia and probably New Zealand, and New Zealand is the complete indifference of our political leaders to what the people thought. Like all my life, up until COVID, the politicians seemed to be afraid of being thought of badly by the electorate. And, and to some extent, what they thought the electorate was thinking sort of constrained them. But in COVID, and particularly with Trudeau, they don't give a toss. As you say, it, it should be risky. Politically, and yeah, because because it, it turns the electorate against you, but they really don't care. So then you, <clears throat> and and I'd never seen that before. Um, in the case of Trudeau, I just think he's a clinical narcissist. I mean, he really is a sick puppy. 
I mean, Jordan Peterson, you know, the psychologist. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard what he's had to say about Trudeau. Well, yeah. I think I think he's right. He's a clinical narcissist, so, and a narcissist doesn't care what other people think at all. It doesn't even other people. I mean, he really is sick. Um, he's he's also clearly, um, you know, connected to the World Economic Forum and all those psychos. So, um, yeah. A narcissist but, and that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what – so, yes, I mean, his popularity is in, in the in the 30s, I think. People, Canadians hate him now. But being a narcissist, he doesn't care, you know. I mean, I, I would say that Daniel Andrews, our um, criminal ex-premier in Victoria, was, was a nar- had narcissistic traits. Yeah. You know, I mean, he did awful, awful things. I'll never forget him. Saying in a press conference, um, if you don't comply, it will stop the lockdowns. But if you don't comply, you'll be locked out of society. Whoa! You know, which as someone who didn't comply, I immediately experienced. Not even allowed to go into a cafe. Yeah, we had that here as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he so, didn't. They, they didn't deplatform. Financially, deplatform anyone in Victoria. Tag. He didn't didn't go as far as no, Trudeau. No, 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 Trudeau went further. Um, but in the end, the, the truckers won. And then you've got the the other examples like Russell Brand, which is really should be seen, I think, through the lens of how the media is changing. Um, the the media. I mean, I've been thinking about this quite a lot as a journalist, you know, career journalist, and what happened. And I think. Um, in the mainstream, journalism is no longer a thing. You know, it's just not. Uh, the just simple reporting. You know what what I was told to do when I started, which is get two sides of the story. There are never more than two, apparently. Um, yeah. <clears throat> spell people's names correctly, yeah. um, and get their titles right. <clears throat> those those being the two most important things. Um, and keep your opinions to yourself. Yeah. If if you don't like that, there's the door and shut it on the other side, right? Yeah, they were and, quite um that that was policed firmly, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It was aggressive, right? Mm. And it, and rightly so because we most journalists most of the time are just reporting, which means they're just recycling other people's lies because most of the time you're being lied to, right? But it, the way out of not the way to not participate in those lies is simply to say this is what the person said. And then get another person to say, "This is what they said. You decide, right?" And that's that's what's disappeared in the mainstream. I mean, you you, you even see, and it's still shocking to me on the on the ABC website. The, the headlines are written by the sub editors, right? And sub editors usually pretty cynical, detached sort of people. I know I've worked with many of them. You're exactly right. And they're writing, rah, rah, this person's a conspiracy theorist in the headline. So they've lost it. They've completely lost it. And that's just died. And I think over time, it's completely destroying the credibility of the mainstream media, Um, which is why you're getting all this alternative media. Presumably you're in the- We are. Yeah. You are. Um, I can still withdraw money, though, but I don't know how (laughs) long that will last. (laughs) Um, because, well, actually, I have to say that, well, there's, there's three functions in journalism, to, in my observation. There's reporting, which is, used to be 99% of it. There's opinion, which we were allowed to do when I started as a journalist after you've been there for 20 years and no earlier. 
write a write a column, opinion column, um, and there's investigative journalism, which is 0.001% of the total because it's expensive and not many people can do it, and it's hard. It's you know they they can't afford to to fund it, <clears throat> and they can even less now can they afford to fund it. Well, taking the third investigative journalism being done by non-journalists is far better than anything that ever happened in the mainstream before. Yeah, good point, yeah. Much, much better. And brand um, is an example of that. Well, brand is more opinion, I think. Like yeah. what, what? Okay, yeah. Um, the investigative stuff comes from, like, Grey Zone. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, agree with it or not, I mean, the quality of the investigation is really high. Yeah. Um, well, look at what, say, what Naomi Wolf did on um, uh, on the vaccines. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, we've had her on about that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't get deep dive. They're really, really good. She's a journal, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's healthier, healthier than it's ever been, right? Although it doesn't get a lot of mainstream traction, it's very, very good. Then you have opinion, and that's where brand comes. Yeah. In. Yeah. And you get the, what these people are doing, and. Um, uh, using sources from the mainstream, mainly because brand mainly uses sources from the mainstream, and then applying logic to it. Right, Tucker Carlson's the best at it. Tucker Carlson is incredibly popular, incredibly famous, um, because he's one of the very, very few journalists left standing. Who uses logic, <laughs> right? He yeah. always uses logic. He said, yeah. I, "I'll never forget him interviewing um, was it Glenn Greenwald, um, you know, the investigative journalist." Yeah, um, and that, Brazil, this was Brazilian-based guy. Yeah, yeah, but American and lawyer initially. The guy who did um, uh, the guy who went, went to Russia, the, the Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Greenwald. Just use some logic. This is in the middle of the, you know, we're all going to die because people don't get vaccinated, period. And Gleamwood said, well, if you got vaccinated, then shouldn't you? You're protected against it. So what's the problem? How and, many and, of us were saying that? And, 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 and Tucker Carlson started laughing because logic to him comes first. Yeah. And he's, he's consistently skewered people using logic. And that's what Brand does. Not as well. And with, but, um, and in a more sort of, in, in many ways, a more mild way than Carlson. Um, but he's just saying, well, excuse me, but this doesn't make sense. Now that, so the opinion side of things is actually quite healthy, but um, they don't like that, so they deep No, it's too on. threatening, right? And yeah. who's it threatening to? It's threatening to the legacy media operations who aren't doing that and they know that, but also who else? I mean, when it gets to deplatforming, who's it threatening there? Well, it's a swamp. Right, again. You know, like, the world was run by the CIA and uh, the US military and at least the Western world. Um, That's changing rapidly, actually, courtesy of of Ukraine, Um, which, again, you don't. That's why a lot of people are being deplatformed by pointing out that the Ukraine's lost half a million soldiers and 1.7 million casualties. That's the number. Yeah. 
and if you look at they've lost 10 million people have emigrated so if you do that do the i just did a calculation that's seven percent of the population are casualties of the ukrainian war that's now where 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 do you see that in the western media nowhere and so people pointing that out and there's you know i know that because i follow them douglas mcgregor that um, ex-colonel is very isn't he amazing to listen to oh well that's the real thing that, that's real military analyst. That, that guy has so clear thinking yeah, yeah. and... Fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, anyway. It, extremely I'm fan, I'm a fanboy. Huh? Yeah, so am I. Um, um, he hasn't been deplatformed yet, but they. this is my point about meaning, right? You watch Douglas McGregor and it all starts to make sense. It's meaningful. And then you watch all the, oh, well, Putin's Hitler, Stalin, and he, he woke up one morning and he just decided he wanted to invade Ukraine because he could. And, and you know that's meaningless drivel, even, and no matter how much it comes at you through the mainstream. And the ABC, by the way, in Australia, is still running stories saying that Russia's about to lose and Putin's desperate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you know, you know that's meaningless drivel. Yeah. Do you think most people do? Like most people, um, a majority think that this there was something dodgy about that 2020 election now. Do you think most people have seen through? Well, two-thirds of the Americans have. Um, yeah. But in terms of Ukraine? I was, I was, oh, no, no. Because I think here in New Zealand, most people are, uh, you know, thinking what you just said, you know, that Russia's incompetent, running out of stuff. Yeah. Putin's this dictator who wakes up every morning with a new idea. <laughs> That's so, right. You know. It's just... I mean, it's just fascinating to watch the kind of slow progress of reality. Well, Russia was financially deplatformed, David, basically. And they tried yeah, to do that on a grand scale. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if they'd done it to some countries, it would have wrecked them, right? They took them out of SWIFT, um, which is the international... Um, yeah, payment system. Payment system. And they thought that this would destroy Russia's economy and then Russia would have to withdraw. That was their real main weapon, actually. And I remember watching it because, I mean, I know a lot about the international financial markets, the foreign exchange markets. I've been following the lunacy for 25 years, right? <laughs> and it's, here's a question. What proportion of the foreign exchange markets um, are dedicated to the transaction of goods and services? What do you think? I, I, I wouldn't even attempt okay. to guess. Most people say 90%, right? That, you know, it's about trade, for facilitating yeah, okay. trade. You'd think. It's, it, it's just over 1%. What? Hmm. And the... So, okay, the obvious the, question, where's the other It's called, 98 they're called, point whatever? They're called derivatives. Oh. Is this the big thing that's hanging above the system like a sword that's about to come down? A casino, yeah. yeah. It's like a giant roulette wheel atop the world, spinning around on which the supports aren't all that good. That's what 2008 was all about. It wasn't, okay. about, it wasn't about the US housing market. It was about the derivatives. And um, I know this really well because I've been following it for 25 years. Um, and derivatives are gambles. I mean, they call it insurance, but it's basically algorithms to gamble. So the foreign exchange markets are. Um, uh, oh, I'll send you 
I'll send a link of a really interesting. <laughs> send send a link, David. Now, um, the, <laughs> the the point being that the New Zealand dollar um, was traded more than the Russian ruble before Russia was deplatformed. The Kiwi okay. was, there's right. more vo- there was more volume in the Kiwi than there was in the Russian ruble. The Russian ruble was number seventeen, and we're a fraction of the size of Russia. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. you're involved in the derivatives market. Huh? Ah, I see. That's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, all the sort of Western countries are. Um, and they didn't bother looking at what Russia Im- uh, exports and what Russia imports, right? Over in the real world, we've traded in trade, right? Russia imports not much, but m- and nearly all of it comes from China. And, uh, um, it exports oil, gas, and diamonds, for which there's a ready market. Okay, yeah. It does diamonds. Yeah, yeah, they're big big in the diamond market, um, which they've just uh, put a sanction on and really uh, infuriated the Belgians where they do the polishing of the diamonds. Okay. It's just, just overnight, it's just destroyed their diamond business. But Well, that's like <laughs> taking out the Nord Stream pipeline for the Germans, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when it happened, I thought, I'm going to try and buy rubles because they thought the ruble would collapse. Oh, they also stole all the offshore reserves of the Russian Central Bank as well. $400 billion, I think, wasn't it? Something like that. Um, didn't get as much as they thought they would. And I thought, this is this is not going to work. I'm going to go and buy rubles, so like actual dollar rubles, you know, like paper rubles. I couldn't yeah. find any foreign exchange outlet <laughs> that actually, yeah. because the ruble went through the roof. Yeah. Why? Why? Because the Russians turned around and said, well, if we can't use US dollars and we can't use euros and we can't use yen or whatever, uh, pay us in rubles. Right? And everyone <laughs> and, had to scramble to find rubles. At that and, and, um, and the, 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 I mean, the classic was Macron, the French president, turned around and said, oh, that's blackmail. <laughs> oh, it never occurred to them that if you can't, oh, if, they, if you take them out of the system, um, that, uh, well, the only way you can do have a uh, transaction with them is to use their currency. Well, that, well, doesn't that, that apparently us, came as a surprise. You know? Doesn't it tell us that, that these people aren't very bright? Um, yeah, um, but it's you worse. I think they that. would be, but they're not. Well, in a technical sense, some of them are, but it's, yeah. worse, it's worse than that. They haven't got, you know... Judgment, right? They haven't got, you know, any moral character at all. I mean, all of, we, we're obsessed with intelligence as if it's the only thing, but it's not. Um, you know, like I was reading, don't know why, but I was reading some Clausewitz, you know, the German military strategist, and he kept on talking about temperament as being far more than important than intelligence. Well, they, they lack temperament. And also, there's just fundamental mistakes have been made. In, now, they're just people of poor quality, you know. Like, I can think of, you know, most of the Australians I met who are just ordinary people have more moral quality, more judgment, more sense than the idiots in our, you know, financial elite and political elite. Just the, the bloke, you know, you talk to in a pub. Yeah, you know, amazing. 
Well, maybe it's not amazing, actually. No, it's not amazing. It's it's because you sort of say, well, how do they get there? And the the arrogance and delusion is just mind-numbing. So, yeah, that um, when the Russians, partly to to their surprise, when the Russians sailed through the sanctions and the and the removal from SWIFT, and the Russian economy is now sort of looking at four percent growth. Well, the Euro- Europe's going into recession, and and America's going bankrupt. Um, most of the rest of the world, you know, what they call the global South, looked at it and go, "Well, um, America's not the only, not the big bully on the block anymore." I mean, the way it's manifesting itself is you know, angst about the the end of the dollar as a reserve currency. There's a lot of quacking about that. I don't think people actually know what that means. It, it It's true that the US dollar ruled the world, especially after the Second World War, because um, oil was denominated in US dollars with a deal between Eisenhower and, and uh, no, uh, Roosevelt and um, Saudi King. But um, it, they're running around saying, oh, the petrodollar's dead. Well, I look, remember looking in 2016 or 15 or so at, at what currency the um, oil was denominated in. Was the yuan came first because yuan China is a big importer of of, the, of um, oil. It doesn't have much, um, but the yuan is fixed to the US dollar, so it's really just they're just the same. But uh, that's nonsense. But what I think is happening is. Um, there, you've got the the SWIFT system, which is a complete insane asylum, and I'll send you that link. You could have a look at it. Please do. Um, um, and then the emergence of a new payment system, more new payment systems, which are actually based on trade. Um, and um, that they're sane. So you've got an insane system and an emergent sane system. That is very good news when things go bad, right? Which they, which they will uh, at some point, maybe okay. quite, maybe quite soon, um, mm. because um, at least that gives you some extra capacity, some extra redundancy, a system that is based on principles of you know, something approximating sanity. I don't think there'll be an alternative currency. I think they'll just have a different payment system. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the so the countries can transact away from the United States. Still use the dollar or whatever, but if they want to, a, yeah. a, a separate system that's kind of unencumbered. Yeah, I mean of, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean the, the problem then is you'd get um, arbitrages between the two systems because you know, and a whole a whole other set of derivatives between the two systems. Well, well the swamp's going to react to that somehow. Yeah, aren't they? but but it's um. Uh, it, it's a positive development. And Russia, I think, is, I mean, introducing multipolarity in the financial system as well as the political system, which is, frankly, far, much preferable. You know, Yeah, the adult in, in the room, I hear some people describing them as these days. Um, just uh, thinking of time here, the other, the other um, very high-profile... Um, 
financial deplatforming or debanking was Nigel Farage. Yes. That is an interesting one because obviously high profile, he had uh, access to media. If he was going to find out about this thing at some point, it was going to spill everywhere. Um, he's an experienced campaigner. He's been through the mill. So you don't want to tangle with a guy like that without thinking it through. Yet it completely backfired on what Coots Bank, NatWest, the politicians, everybody. Mm-hmm. It was quite yeah. incredible <clears throat> to watch that. It'll be interesting to see what's in that. The, the British um, sit, government said they would legislate to stop it happening. And the comment was made, well, let's see the detail. You know, um, Will they actually do that? Because they would have been that, happy, some of them, to see Farage in that situation, you would think, maybe. That, that, um, that's a different one again. Like, that's not the swamp, the US swamp. That's the, what I call it, the managed stocracy, the, the corporatocracy. Like, if you um, – I, I wrote a long piece here in, a, little, a little while ago. I, was, I set out to follow the money – where the really big money is in the world. And there's about 600 trillion in net wealth in the world, right? Roughly. 600 trillion, got it. Yeah, roughly. Right? The world economy is about 100 trillion. Right? Yeah. Um, half of that is, prop- is is land, property. And that's where, all, by the way, all the old money is, you know, the yeah. ownership of land, right? The Duke of Westminster, for example. You know, So, but land is passive. It doesn't do anything. You know, you get income from it, but doesn't do anything. Um, the money that really counts is what's called um, funds under management. And that's about $120 trillion. And that's one-third of it is insurance companies, and one-third of it is pension funds, and one-third of it is other stuff. Right? And that is run by managers. Um, It's not their money. Like when we talk about BlackRock or State Street or or Vanguard being incredibly powerful, well, they're powerful managers. It's not their money. They manage it on behalf of institutional investors. Institutional investors are pension funds and um, insurance companies who have the tens of trillions. So that's one set of managers. And then they tell, um, give directions to the managers of corporations. Um, the, you know, the, the multinational companies, as we used to call them, right? And they are becoming increasingly political in what they're telling the corporations. The third set of managers is, is the managers in the executive branch of government. And the fourth set is the sort of managers in management types in NGOs and the world and and the WHO and that sort of thing. So it's actually a, a kind of the real power in the West at least is in this four sets of managers. Now the one that um, is making the most doing the most disgraceful things is what the fund managers were saying to the managers of corporations. Right? Um, most Listed companies on the stock exchange are run by fund, are run by professional managers, not by not by founders. Like Zuckerberg's an exception. Even Amazon's now run by a professional manager because he's. Re- and and what the fund managers have done, particularly Larry Fink, 
is develop become extremely political in what they're saying to the chief executives of the companies. Partic- in particularly in relation, I presume you've heard of ESG. The oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that, that disgracefully invented by an Australian. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you should be take away your citizenship. Um, he lives in Switzerland. Um, th- they started telling corporations to what the, the managers. It was a manager to manager discussion. And the, the, the fund manager says to the manager of the, of the corporation, this is what you will do politically. And that's what they did with Farage. Like the fund, the fund managers would be saying, they were, would be not like Farage for political reasons, would be saying to the corporations, well, you know, do the right thing. And so they would, and that's why they did it. You can guarantee it. It's like a, it's like a cult of managers. Right. Who yeah. all believe that they're vastly superior um, vastly intelligent, and and that they just know better, and that's what would have happened. And then you get the misjudgment because, in the case of Farage, um, he he knew how to fight back, yeah, very very well. And didn't the NatWest boss, a boss, also um, um, let it slip too? She she was seen on I think on footage discussing or even telling a journalist about this, you know, and, and really, you know, really basic stuff of letting stuff slip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, dumb. The, the BBC reported it and then they, that was, was outed. Um, it's part of the delusion of management. I mean, if you, the, the thing about management is, and I, I know this very well because I wrote on management for BRW for 20 years, right? It's, it's an activity without conscience. You just have deliverables and outcomes, you know, and it's very easy to treat your. I mean, think of the phrase human resources, right? Yeah. Like, apart from the fact that it's nonsense because human resources are passive and humans are active, that, that belongs in Auschwitz as a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have personnel departments, which at least is about a person, you have human resources departments, right? It's disgusting. And that, that that's what happens when managers get so much power and are structurally sort of prevented from using their conscience. And having that's them. scary. That that's... well, that's where it's coming from, right? So they yeah. wouldn't have they wouldn't have thought, um, you know, that that chief executive in um, would, would come in and think um, she wouldn't have thought. Well, what's the right thing to do? Right. You know, how, how shall I act here with conscience and with consideration to the interests of, you know, my customer? She would have thought, well, that's a deliverable that I can deliver on. That's an outcome I can achieve and, and I can get big ticks as a manager because it's divorced from that side of the human being, which is to do things with conscience and with a sense of right and wrong. Management yeah. Yeah. only about outcomes, irrespective of whether, you know, the morality of it. And those people, if you follow the money, they're the people in charge. I mean, there's right. a swamp, the swamp over there and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but they're the ones with the big money. Well, hopefully... The, the, the hundreds of trillions. Yeah. Hopefully the, the swing door slapping them in the face there woke a few 
people up because I think Farage was worried too about, and on behalf of lots of other people, if I remember what he was saying at the time, that, you know, um, that if you're in a situation where you've got multiple denial of service, and that's what I want to ask you about before we finish, you know, how do you mitigate against multiple de- deplatforming across multiple financial institutions like banks, et cetera? Um, well, the first thing, and yeah, there was sort of a question I was thinking about. I mean, obviously, you can diversify it with asset types, right? So if you've got money and you are worried or you're getting money from a platform or something and you are worried about being deplatformed, you'll only be deplatformed on one platform. Um, so first of all, you can use different platforms. Yeah. But if you're worried about being debanked, well, there's the stock market. Like, um, you know, there's different banks. Put your money in different banks. Diversify. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's just standard risk mitigation. So they're not all going to dump on you, potentially. Not all at once. No. And, not and, all um, at once. <laughs> and you should diversify your, your money anyway. You yeah. know, that's, that's the one sort of cast iron principle of investment is diversification gets you bit, reduces risk and, and, um, ensures good re- good rewards you know um i don't think i think people underestimate like they see the stock market as a casino and it's not really it's actually fairly if you diversify it's reasonably safe it'll go up and down in price but it won't they won't deplatform you yeah I mean, there's no way you'll lose, they'll take away your shares and something. That just won't happen. And there's some pretty good, you know, options on the stock market. I mean, I, one thing that really amuses me is because of the, uh, and I acted upon it, and this is not investment advice. No. I hasten to Make that clear. Yep. <clears throat> um, but I, I was just glancing at the Woodside is an oil and gas company in Australia, the, the northeast shelf, and Australia as is the second producer of LNG in the world, and mainly off the north, north, northwest shelf. Um, and I looked at the, I just thought, I wonder what Woodside's like. And I looked at the metrics, and it has an 11% dividend, which after the tax advantage goes up to about 13%. And the price-earnings ratio, which is the price of the share divided by the earnings per share, which is usually at least 15 is four. So I bought some. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and the reason for that is the um, ESG lunatics, you know, net zero lunatics, um, uh, downgrade Woodside because it's obviously fossil fuels and so therefore... Okay, yeah, interesting. Not part of the program. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so but um, the thing is you can, if you're getting money... Or you want to protect your money, diversify. Diversify the places you've got it. I mean, I don't know about buying physical gold. You can do that, I suppose. I mean, you can buy shares in the Perth Mint in Western Australia, hmm. um, which is backed by physical gold, and that's much easier to use. But you know, you can apply financial principles of diverse risk divert, mitigation and risk diversification um, to sort of protect yourself against the lunatics. Which, <laughs> who were going after us all? Yeah, they seem to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. anyway, I know. Did you ever expect to see anything like this? No, 
Um, I always thought, as what Farage was saying, that, um, and I know it wasn't, but it, it was kind of a right to have, um, <clears throat> you know, at least somewhere you could put money and, and withdraw it and pay bills, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Because it's obvious that if you if you don't, you are locked out of Absolutely. the world as we know it, and and mm. that is such a extreme price to pay. So um, I'm wondering if there will be some kind of move to create that as a fundamental right, and if um, a private company doesn't want to offer it, it's up to some sort of government institution I to to make I it available. I mean, I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember seeing an advertisement in Australia recently for a fairly small financial company, and the the advertisement was, "We won't deplatform you." Okay, it's become a marketing a so point it, of marketing. Now. I think that that's you know, like if one does starts doing it, then you know, you'll see other ones and new companies propping up. Yeah, well, if you don't have a conscience, it really doesn't matter. You'll go either way. It depends on. Yes, yes. What 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 the thing is right now, right? And what the yes. expectation is from your higher ups. Yeah, I mean I think if you um you know in in if there's one thing that you could do to mitigate some of this tyranny, it would be to give managers a conscience to introduce to managers, no, you're not just there to produce a deliverable. You're there to act like a real human being with a conscience. Yeah. You could be waiting, holding your breath for a while for that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's another chat. David James, thank you so much for coming on RCR again. And that was another fascinating chat. And um, hopefully we can do it again. Okay. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.